Welcome to The Source, investments podcast covering trends and insights in institutional investing, and where we get a chance to talk to industry and investment experts to get their takes on the latest trends. My name is Rich Dunnellen, part of the investment strategy team and host of this podcast. In today's episode, we're joined by Alex Hoy, vice president at Callan, where he works in Callan's global manager research group. Alex is also a member of Callan's ESG committee, which is the primary topic of our conversation. Callan recently released its eighth annual ESG survey of U.S. institutional investors. We sit down with Alex to talk about the findings, how they've seen things change over time, and what investors are looking for in the future. If you've listened to us in the past, you know ESG comes up time and time again. Investment's been collecting ESG data for years, but earlier this year, we released a new version of our ESG questionnaire to give consultants and investors access to more information about a manager's ESG philosophies, their approach, and ultimately the impact. It also gives managers an opportunity to differentiate themselves and their ESG approaches. For information on how to access that data or how to populate that data, please contact us at solutions at investment.com. With that, let's hear from Alex. So Alex, uh, thanks for joining us today. I wanna spend some time talking about a recent survey you guys published around uh, investor approaches to ESG. But before we jump into that, can you just tell us a little about yourself and your role? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the time today, Rich. Um, So my name is Alex Hoy. I am a member of Callan's Global Manager Research Team. So in that role, I'm responsible for covering or researching Uh, primarily global and non-U.S. equity strategies or managers for our clients and then working with the consultants and our clients to um, to make what we feel are the best decisions in their portfolios. Another role that I have is being a member of Callan's ESG committee. Um, So I'm the global and non-U.S. equity representative on that committee. Um, And there are about, I would say, 10 of us now from various parts of the organization on the committee, all rowing in the same direction to implement ESG the best way possible for our clients, do the adequate research and, and publish the survey and other aspects or other things that uh, you know we're talking about today. So you've been conducting the survey for a while. Can you expand on, on the history of the survey and maybe a, a makeup of the respondents to give us some context? Absolutely. So this year was the eighth year that we published the ESG survey. So it began back in 2013 and we publish it every year. The respondents are public and corporate DB plans and endowments and foundations and um, a few other uh, client types, but they are, they're meant to be the asset owners, the, the plans and the trustees that we are working with um, on a daily basis. And, and over the last few years, the last four years, actually, the respondents have ranged from uh, 89 total responses to 102 responses like we received this year. We get the primary, or the majority of those responses from public plans, um, but there's a good breakdown of the different plan types and also by plan size. Uh, we break it down in various buckets, but there's a good distribution across smaller plans, medium-sized, and large plans. So over that time, I guess at a high level, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in the results? Yeah, for the for the asset owners and the respondents, it's really been a formalization of ESG 
in their in their plan and, and mainly in their investment policy statement, their IPS. Um, that was one of the the most common ways that the respondents this year indicated that they are implementing ESG in their plans. And that's something that we've seen grow over time. It's just a way to formalize and codify the approach. There's also been more so in recent years, a large increase in stakeholder demand um, from these, these plans, um, the stakeholders to these plans, if you will, asking for ESG either to be implemented in, in their IPS or having a specific um, investment strategy in, in the plan as well. Um, so those are some of the, or two of the, the big changes that we've seen grow in prominence in recent years. So I, I know I want to touch on the stakeholder demand in a bit, but before that, kind of going through the survey, it was pretty obvious that I guess the ESG approaches vary by investor type. So it's pretty clear that corporate and public plans are doing something very different than a foundation and endowment. Can you maybe talk about some of, in more detail, some of the differences you see in the specific investor types? So over the years, we've seen, uh, to your point, endowments and foundations really be more early and, and more consistent adopters of thematic or impact type ESG strategies where they're trying to achieve a specific outcome, um, such as a, a positive societal or environmental uh, change in, in their portfolio, working towards that goal instead of um, maybe another strategy that might you know be equally as focused on alpha generation as it is on achieving ESG goals or, or tilting the portfolio in that way. And so the, the latter that I just mentioned is more prevalent in corporate and public plans where ESG, I would say, started as more of just an option that was passive, um, giving those plan participants maybe in a DC plan the choice to invest in, in this type of a strategy, but it was done passively um, where the screens, you know, however they were implemented resulted in the portfolio that those clients owned. Um, more so lately, we're seeing a bit of a trend or more interest in active ESG strategies from corporate and public plans. Um, so I would, I would say that that's, you know, adding more ability to add alpha from those strategies while also of course being still highly skewed towards the highest rated ESG companies. So I, I know one of the things you asked in the survey was just reasons for incorporating ESG factors. And I think at the top, 60% of respondents said stakeholder concerns, followed by 53% said to align with their organization's values. Down the list a bit, 28% said higher long-term returns. Uh, and, and that maybe ties into the reasons I saw for not incorporating ESG into a portfolio was the unproven return expectations. Do you see uh, ESG as a, a place where you can generate alpha? And if so, what do you think it's going to take to prove those benefits to the naysayers right now? Like what evidence do they need? Sure. So to answer the first question, yes. Um, I personally, and at Callan, we think that ESG uh, can have a material impact on on returns over the long term. So, so we do hold that belief and, and what's it going to take? <laughs> Not to, to overuse this answer, but I think just more time. Um, you know, we commonly say that to managers when they've just started a new strategy. And while some of these strategies that are out there are not new by any means, the way that ESG is being implemented um, has, has changed or has been enhanced in recent years to such a large degree that 
I think we really just need time to put these managers and these strategies under a microscope and see if any incremental alpha that they generated was due to ESG externalities or due to other factors or, or aspects of their process. It, you know, specifically, I think we need a, a full market cycle and particularly one that's not led by growth companies. Um, we already know that a lot of these highly rated ESG companies skew towards growth when you plot them on a, on a typical style map. Um, so it's a bit hard to disaggregate the returns from ESG mm -hmm. versus the returns from just being growth or more momentum oriented since that's worked in the market environment lately for the last 10 years, however long you want to say it. And, and then also alongside that would just be better attribution of these ESG factors. So again, since ESG has, has certainly come under the microscope much more in recent years, I think everyone is still learning how to best analyze um, what these managers are doing. And we are starting to use more and more ESG specific attribution, um, but it's really just come our way lately. And so we're learning as it's coming towards us how to analyze it, how to digest it. And it's, it's changing too, it's getting better every day. And so again, just gets back to having more time to see, um, to be able to see if uh, alpha was generated by way of ESG or other factors. Yeah, and totally with you on things moving so quickly. I think we just released a, the next iteration of our ESG questionnaire uh, to help yeah. consultants investors get probably more information on the impact of a manager's ESG policies more than the upfront philosophy. But I think that's the second time we've relaunched that questionnaire in the last three years because um, it's just the demand for the data uh, is changing so rapidly. Yeah. And, and there's no one way to approach it too. I think what you, what you guys just released is great. Um, certainly adds more detail, adds more, more pointed questions than ever before. And we're trying to do the same things too. Um, we're getting better at asking these questions every single day, getting better at recording the answers, and then you know, ultimately being able to make decisions from them as well. But we're all learning kind of at the same pace here and, and getting up to speed together it was interesting in the survey too to see how these positive impact investments that people have intentionally included in their uh, policies have changed over time. So I think like pre two thousand five, there might have been a tobacco anti tobacco focus, and uh, then a, like a an alcohol following that. What are some of the the more prevalent themes you're seeing in more recent times? Yeah, one of the most prevalent themes is an, an embracing of clean energy or uh, green energy, whatever you want to call it, um, even an elimination of fossil fuels. There's, there's many different ways to, to break it down, but that's become much more of a focus of, uh, of our clients, at least lately, when it comes to ESG as a very, as a very easy way to implement uh, in a more ESG-friendly portfolio, but also explaining to plan participants um, to say, you know, this is why we are doing these things and why we may see some, some headwinds for the areas that we are excluding going forward. You know, you could take it uh, one step further too and say that the rise of, of clean energy, green energy, whatever you want to call it again, there's just many more companies popping up every single day and, and not to just pick on one in particular, but we've seen the rise of Tesla, mm -hmm. for example, 
Um, it took them plenty of time to get to where they're at today and they're still evolving as a business, but there are others entering that space. Um, and so as that business grows to focus more on battery technology and things along those lines, there's going to be more investment opportunities. Um, so that's been an area where we've seen both client demand, but also a lot of product being created by the managers themselves um, to keep up with that demand. So good segue. So you also asked, where do our investors looking for more uh, product offerings, I guess, across asset classes? What did you guys find there? Yeah, our, our answers were actually pretty interesting there in that the demand changed a lot from the responses that we received last year. Um, so at the, at the highest level, there is demand in fixed income products. Um, why? Because there's just not a lot of ESG-friendly fixed income products out there. Um, they're getting getting back to the, the green side of things. There are some green bonds um, that are coming to market that are resulting in products, investable products being created. Um, so we might see more and more of that come in the future. Um, but fixed income remained uh, pretty, pretty high uh, up on the list as an area where the respondents from our survey were interested in seeing more options. And then it was more on the active side of things, both on the US and the non-US fronts. Like I said, passive ESG strategies were a really easy way for early adopters to get that exposure. And now that just the data explosion in ESG has occurred and continues to occur and managers are formalizing ESG in their investment processes to a much larger degree than ever before, um, I think clients are starting to think about active ways um, or active strategies to implement ESG in their portfolios, um, given what I, what I just mentioned. Uh, so we saw quite a bit of demand there too. And, and lastly, we can't do a podcast or have a conversation this year without talking about the impact of COVID-19. And that's something uh, you guys were able to ask about in the survey. So what did investors say that the pandemic uh, What's the impact of the pandemic on their ESG approaches? Yeah, we we had to ask exactly <laughs> like you said, um, unfortunately, of course. Uh, and the responses were actually a bit surprising. Uh, 60%, if I remember correctly, of the respondents said COVID-19 had no impact on their ESG goals. Um, so that was that was positive uh, from a from a pro ESG perspective, of course. And then it, the result was 14% uh, of the respondents said that this year COVID-19 has actually caused them to speed up their planned ESG efforts in their in their plans. We didn't ask why, mm -hmm. but uh, but that was that was a, a very positive result to see. Why? Because only 5% of the respondents said this year COVID-19 is causing them to slow down their ESG efforts. So almost three times as many plans are going to speed things up then slow them down because of COVID-19, uh, which was great to see. Yeah, that was really interesting. Well, I wanna thank you for coming on with us today. The I thought the survey and the findings were very, very interesting. So this was the first time I had seen it. So I need to go back and look historically, um, but I know we're also gonna provide a link to it so everyone can, can check that out. I guess, what time of year do you guys publish this survey annually? Does it come out a certain time each year? Yeah, we try to stick to a pretty regular schedule. Um, so the survey kicks off for us internally earlier in the year and it's sent out to clients or not clients, to respondents um, over the summer. 
and and we just published it last month. Um, so so it's about this time every year that it comes out. Great. Well, I guess next year we'll see what the fourteen percent actually did in terms of increasing that ESG. <laughs> Uh, focus. Well, thanks again. We'd love to have you on and maybe talk about uh, another topic at some point. Absolutely. I'd be happy to come back. Thank you, Rich. A lot of our research revolves around trends we see in data provided by managers and also what we see consultants and investors looking for in investment. Talking to Alex was a great opportunity to get a third-party perspective of ESG trends through their survey. We will link to the full calendar survey in the summary of this episode so you can read the full findings. And again, if you have any questions about how to find ESG data on a manager, and for managers out there, if you have questions about how to populate it, please contact us at solutions at Thank you for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. <laughs>